Hello, everyone, and welcome to another episode of the IA Cast. All right, here this week with me, I have a big group of folks. My name is Michael Doeys, and this week I'm here with Jason Earls. Hello, everyone. Leslie Dixon. Hello. Rose Morales. Hi there. Jeff Bishop. Hello. And Charles Heiser. Nice to be here. Yeah, we've got a few new folks here this week. And, you know, it, it's it's been... A very interesting time for everybody, so we figured we'd bring up this topic. And so with such a great topic, we needed a good group to talk about this with. And so the topic is working from home. Since this whole ordeal has started, how many of you guys have been working from home? I know I have. I'm working from home. I'm working from home. I mean, basically everything I do for my accessibility is being at home, so... I was working from home before all of this started, but this has impacted the way I work from home and how much work I've been getting. So yeah, I think all of us are working from home in some capacity, and so it's changed the way that we work and work with our colleagues and get things done. I know that we've had to develop plans for my job and what we do, and so all of those add accessibility barriers and, and, and things we have to conquer. So I want to go through and if you can talk about it, talk about what you have to do to work from home and how you overcome some basic obstacles. And then we'll go into actually talking about the different applications and software we use. Um, Jeff, do you want to go ahead and start us off and talk about what, what you do? Sure. I, I think the biggest thing for, for me is that we're utilizing a lot more technology, although we do that at work too, but you know, at, at work we do a lot of face-to-face -face meetings and now of course that's not happening. So we're having to, to utilize a lot of online meetings. And this brings up a really interesting situation where, you know, certain people may have different bandwidth requirements or so, you know, people have to really think outside the box as to how they present information and make sure that it's not only accessible, but inclusive for everyone. So it just, it's made everyone think outside the box on how to communicate and how to actually present meetings in a way that, that is uh, conducive to this, you know, online meeting experience. We, we do a lot of it at work as is, and just to be transparent, I work at Microsoft. So we do a lot of this already, especially with partners and things like that. But even, you know, the campus is pretty big. So a lot of times, for example, if we're meeting with another product team, we'll, we'll do it uh, online, even at the office. But now that everything is online, it just brings up a really interesting dynamic. I think that the cool thing as it relates to all of this is that our management and leadership is always remembering the people factor, you know, about families and the importance of taking care of oneself and, you know, talking about, hey, you should be going for a walk once or twice a day or, you know, getting out and taking a little, little bit of a break, especially since you're working at home. I find that, at least for me, that working from home and then 
you know, not working, it, it all, it's a blurred line because you're not really leaving one spot and going home and, you know, sitting on the couch and having fun, you know, it's, it's, you're, you're just constantly in the same spot. And so sometimes it's a bit difficult, but you know, we're, I think this is week six or something. I, I, it's all a blur. I don't know. It's uh, (laughs) maybe week seven. I'm not sure. Uh, Early March is when we started. So it's maybe even close to week eight, but it's a, it's a constant learning experience and, you know, having to, to work around family and the noise in your home and, you know, especially with, with people who have young children, that's been kind of interesting to see what happens in meetings sometimes. And which I, it makes me smile, to be honest, because it, it shows the, the true human factor of all of us. And it's a, it's a, it's actually a joy to see that. Leslie, what has your experience been? I feel like yours is uh, very different from much of ours. So what, what about you? What, you know, I think you just recently started working from home. I did. We, um, I work at a blind rehab center for the VA, and we sent uh, students home about the middle of March, but we stayed at work uh, until, I guess, about two weeks ago. And for the staff members who are sighted who could access work from their personal computers, they actually went home about a week before those of us who are visually impaired because the um, the access point that they go through is not accessible. So we had to wait until IT could come over and load the VPN software on our computers and then dismantle our computers and, and sign them out to us. So I've had to bring um, my work PC home, find a place to set it up. And uh, it's been pretty smooth from there. We've had a few days where accessing the network or accessing our record system was a bit challenging and you spend a lot of time on the phone with IT trying to work that out. And most of those people are working from home now as well. But it's actually, for me, it's been a little bit better because not having students at work, I was sitting at my desk all day writing, watching webinars for continuing education credits. And uh, it was very quiet and I'm just not the kind of person that can just sit at my desk all day. So I was nodding off a couple of times here and there. And now that I'm working from home, I found it a little easier to be able to to get up and do things around the house for five or ten minutes in between projects. And that's helped me a lot. But we do still have a lot of uh, meetings by phone. We attempted a FaceTime conference meeting the other day, which ended up not working. And my boss had to call us individually and talk to us about our progress at that point. But uh, we communicate a lot by email, uh, some by Skype. So it's just um, been a lot more communication than what we would normally have. And I actually kind of like to see some of that continue when we do go back to work. Because that's something we've struggled with in the past is a lack of communication. And I think that hopefully this will help us all improve that in that area. All right. I want to kind of shift gears a minute here and uh, talk to Charles and see how, since you've worked from home before this, how has the, has the new normal, as they're calling it, changed how you work from home? Or has your life changed at all since uh, everything has changed since March? Well, 
That's an interesting question because a lot of people have thought that my life wouldn't have changed drastically, uh, or if it did, it would actually improve. I'm a freelance editor, mostly dealing with uh, the written word. I've edited everything from short stories and poems to college theses and uh, you know dissertations. And ironically enough, I've actually had less clients since this all started because they're more focused on their jobs, they're more focused on their families and their loved ones, and some of my clients um, have mental illness, which is sometimes that's the basis for their writing, sometimes it impacts how they're writing. What I've found is my sort of core clientele have actually been writing less because of the various stresses and because of you know the new restrictions and their changes in behavior. I also tend to find that social media has gone absolutely insane because nobody has anything to do. And for me personally, that has really put me off of going onto social media. And as a result, even though I do use things like Buffer for cross automated posting, I tend not to do as much advertising. So in that way, I've, you know, sort of unintentionally self-sabotaged myself a bit. What I think is the most interesting about all this is everybody suddenly picking up like Zoom and using it and, you know, talking on that as if it's more of a social platform. I used Zoom, you know, last year before a lot of individuals knew about it. And it's kind of interesting to me to see people are adapting tools that they usually would use for work, but because they're bringing them into their home, they're using them more in their home now and kind of getting creative. And I think that hopefully when this is all over, that creativity will continue to be pushed. Awesome. Um, Rose, what about you? What is, what do you feel has been the biggest impact for you since um, all of this has started? My job involves me working with external clients a lot of the time. I do train clients internally, but the bulk of my job is working with new people every day, interacting with these people, getting energy from those interactions. And what I'm personally really missing is that interaction. Um, first off, my hours have changed. So typically I would work 30 to 40 hours a week. Now I'm working about 15 to 20 hours a week. I'm not dealing with any external clients. All of the people that I am training right now is it's internal. And my role has shifted more toward training others through project-based learning. So I develop a presentation or, you know, I take notes and then teach off of that. And then they get to learn based on that. It's it's more group setting and less individual. Um, in terms of like format, um, it used to be that every day I would go to work and we'd have a team meeting for about a half an hour. Um, now, my schedule is such that I wouldn't always attend every meeting daily, but you know I, I got a lot of that. We're still having team meetings, but it's it's two a week and it's via WebEx, and then we have a one-on-one -on -one half-hour chat uh, with our manager, and then we also have an hour each week that we can um, meet as a group to focus on personal development 
as a group. And I've really found those interactions to be helpful in boosting my motivation and helping keep me grounded. And I really feel like being able to interact with my team in those ways has, has just helped me maintain a positive outlook. With that being said, WebEx is a little interesting to use, and there's always that constant worry for me of like, man, am I doing something wrong on video? Um, so every time before I go into a chat, I'll have my husband check my video. Um, my husband also works from home, so what I do is if I know I'm going to be talking a lot, I will go into the dining room and he will keep the bedroom because his job has him speaking with clients all day versus mine does not. Sometimes I stay in the office and so uh, they can see him working behind me. So it's it's then a matter of, okay, well, we don't want people to see his screen because his screen has confidential information. He works for a government entity. Um, so how do we make sure that stuff doesn't get seen? And I feel like as, as blind people, we don't often think about what also gets seen in our background. Very nice discussion, guys. And so, Jason, um, you have a, also a different perspective because, um, you know, you do stuff for eye accessibility, but you're, I don't think much has changed for you. But um, any anything you want to talk about that has changed for you between now and whenever everything uh, started to change? Absolutely nothing. Move on. No, I'm kidding. Uh, so <laughs> I think, you know, while not a lot has changed for me, I think one of the big things, though, uh, would be honestly, surprisingly motivation. Um, I do find that with everything going on, it is a bit harder for me to stay motivated. Um, some days I'll, you know, get up and I'm just like, I can't, I can't do anything. I cannot, like, you know, sometimes I just can't focus sometimes. And it just, it, it doesn't, I mean, it makes sense when you consider, you know, all the circumstances and things, but it's just, it's not really a side effect as, you know, the current situation we're in has been developing that I had really considered, but it's definitely sometimes a little difficult to to do what i need to for that but you know like you said not a lot really has changed um for me other than that as, i mean my 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 girlfriend works for um and i've mentioned this before a dinner theater uh here in town called beef and boards and because they're not able to open for business right now she's home more often which you know is is nice because sometimes you know if i'm if i do have any accessibility issues that crop up, I can ask her rather than trying to guide my phone camera around dealing with an IRA agent, which in, in some ways is just a lot easier to deal with. But uh, I do try to uh, let her do what she needs to do as much as possible. One thing that I find interesting about all of this is, you know, like we had said before, uh, I think it was actually you, Charles. You had said before how it's interesting how a lot of people are using apps that were previously uh, centered around business use for home use, you know, like Zoom, for instance, which of course is the very big one. Everybody's talking about it. Everybody's using it. I find it interesting how caught off guard Zoom was purported to be because, you know, they had they had some issues in the app that they some security issues and things that um, they were having to rush to fix as more and more people jumped on uh, Zoom. It's kind of nice to see companies offering things where they can 
uh, I know Google's making meat free for the time being. Facebook has made a version of uh, Messenger for desktop. It's not very fun to use on the Mac, but it does exist. And so it's it's really interesting seeing how these things develop and to see the creativity that you know people are having to uh, utilize in order to continue doing their jobs as we are all uh, working from home through this uh, situation. And Rose, you had actually brought up a good point too about cameras and what can be seen and what can't be seen through the camera. And you're right, I do think that there are a lot of blind people who wouldn't necessarily consider um, how much their cameras can pick up as you know, video chats are required for business and things when you're working from home. I think my biggest learn just real quick on cameras is like I think of phones and tablets right like we we are really concentrated on how those cameras work what's being seen by those cameras but I think we often don't think about cameras on our PCs or Macs because the thought is they're stationary and like that's the thought that I had before I started working from home and it's like, okay, it really doesn't matter what angle you put it at. I had it at a good angle that would be easy to, it would be easy to read the screen if I could see, but that also was an angle that would show more of me than I needed to. Not necessarily in a bad way, but my husband's like, okay, well, what about if you shift a certain way? Are people going to see things they don't need to see? And so he gave me an angle that was like, all right, you can move pretty much any way you'd normally move and nothing is going to get in the camera that should be there. You know, and it's interesting that we bring up cameras and backgrounds because a lot of apps are um, implementing these uh, blurred background features so that you can do things like hide your messy room or, you know, I guess in your case, Rose, hiding uh, what your husband may be doing for his job. Um you know, making sure his screen stays invisible and whatnot. I've never actually used any of the blurred background features in these apps. I don't know if the backgrounds would be accessible, but um, uh, I I wonder, <laughs> I find myself wondering how realistic these backgrounds look or what they look like in general, since, you know, I can't see them. We'll, we'll get to that in just a minute. But the biggest thing, because we're going to talk about apps in just a minute, and I just want to talk about my experience as well real quick before we move on so i i started working from home at the beginning of march uh, or the middle of march after i was denied my trip to season <laughs> and i'm glad i didn't go uh, i know several people that did and i'm glad they came home safe but the one thing for me was i started working from home and i was so excited I was very, I was over the moon. I was like, yes, I get to work from home. I've never gotten to do that before. Now, the way I believe is if you elect to work from home and you choose to do that, it's because you've made preparations to do that and you're ready and you can go out and balance your life with outside activities. You can't do that right now. And I'm an extrovert. So I really miss going into the office and seeing coworkers and, and people. That is a big thing for me. So I really, really miss that. And so uh, I'm kind of excited for when we open back up again. But, you know, we've used apps uh, like Teams and Skype for Business and other and others to do work uh, from home. And it's turned out really well. And I'm very happy that our internet and our bandwidth and all those things have 
worked to make that happen. So I I think we're going to start seeing this be a new normal. More and more people are going to work from home even after the situation is over. Um, and that's been talked about at our management meetings uh, for my work. So it's going to be very interesting to see what percentage of people continue working from home compared to what percentage continue, actually go back to the office. Can I jump in on it real quick? Sure. I've heard from other people I know who do office work that a lot of companies are seeing the benefit of having their employees work from home and being able to structure their own. Some companies are, from what I've heard, uh, a little reluctant to do that because it does mean more uh, accountability for their employees. It does mean taking a little bit more risk on new hires who are, if you're a company that wants to shift to having more, say, customer support at home, in order to make sure that your workers are doing something correctly and working within your system, a lot of companies obviously provide laptops or phones or something like that. So it's more um, risky, I would say, sometimes to have more new hires at home. But I think by and large, you're probably right. I think a lot of companies are seeing the benefits. I think a lot of companies are willing now to take risk because of how much reward they get and how much happier their employees tend to be the the various stage uh, shelter in place orders are definitely having an impact on the mental health of everywhere they're being implemented in the u.s or new zealand or the uk you know everywhere that's done it we have heard fairly vocally people talking about how much more depressed they are how less motivated they are how they're going crazy and you know i personally some friends of mine saying that they're fighting with their family more because they're around them just too much but i think at the same time this is really really good for people not just professionally but also personally because it gives you time to balance your job and life and figure out new ways to connect with people whether that's coworkers and bosses or your friends and family and in the end, I'm personally hearing more I'm personally hearing more stories about the good side of things in the midst of all of the the scare of, you know, people getting sick and, and the world combating something that we weren't quite ready for. Very well said. So let's talk about some some technologies that we can use to work from home and be productive. You know, I'm I'm just going to talk about this for a second because I'm very excited. Uh, you know, our tablets, guys, can now be full computers. We have Skype for business. We have Teams. We have all of these things on there, and I'm really excited because I'm getting my uh, Magic Keyboard from my iPad. So I'm going to be very interested to see how that kind of impacts how much I use my Mac uh, as far as a business device or my computer for my accessibility work. But... For my main job, I have a Dell Windows PC that's the cookie-cutter PC that you get for uh, work. And, you know, we use Teams. How many of you guys use Teams to get work done with your coworkers on a daily basis? Every day. We have not started using it yet. Um, they have put it on our systems, and we've been told that we will be switching over to that at some point. But... Um... It's not being used 
at least not in our service yet. Michael, it's really interesting that you bring up Teams and you talked about, you know, using your Mac versus your tablet or maybe even your phone. And I find that I use my um, phone for meetings for the most part because I can more efficiently get into a meeting and, you know, mute myself. Uh, I can control the camera a little bit better when the when there are times where you know people do want to see me although I tend not to show video that often just because I'm not sure what it's showing uh so yeah I use teams but I tend to use it on my phone and a lot of times I'll even be in a meeting and I'll go ahead and take one of my walks you know while I'm in that meeting so it's it's kind of an interesting thing how meetings are evolving a little bit and how we're using technology to to make them happen. You know, I would use Teams on my phone. The problem is is that you can only be connected to one Teams account at least the last time I looked. And so I can't be on my work team and my iAccessibility team and my personal phone is reserved no, for No, you cannot do that. No. Yeah, my my personal phone is reserved for personal use. So I, I just keep Teams on my PC. I try to keep everything, you know, we talk about Apple having a walled garden. I try to keep a walled garden with work life and my personal life uh, with my laptop uh, that I was issued to me. Does anybody else uh, use Teams? What about Zoom? How many of you guys use Zoom for your work? Well, I know, Michael, that we had, you know, talked about starting to use Zoom uh, more so for our eye accessibility meetings, um, just because of some issues that we had found with uh, Team Talk and iOS cropping up from time to time, because a lot of people uh, will use their mobile devices, which is fine. So obviously, you know, I'm going to definitely be using Zoom more for that. And of course, I'd used it before when taking the uh, uh, Swift class, and we did that on Zoom. So. Well, and I one thing did a lot of webinars oh, through Zoom since I've been working from home. And one thing I want to point out about, you know, the the discussion we had, we had a meeting yesterday where we talked about moving our company meetings to Zoom instead of Team Talk. Team Talk's a great platform, it's a great conferencing platform, folks, but one thing to keep in mind, it is not encrypted. You know, for general chat and podcasts and things like that, it's great. But if you're talking about anything sensitive, you do not really want to do that on Team Talk. So, Zoom, Discord—they're all better options for handling more private conversation matters. Wouldn't you guys agree? Definitely. Oh yeah. So, any of you guys? Uh, I believe Zoom and Teams are the main two uh, out there. Anybody still use Skype for business? We use Skype at work um, primarily just for personal communication between uh, coworkers, but we also get a lot of information from the VA itself that way. They schedule regular Zoom meetings um, to keep us updated on things going on around the hospital that we can join in on and watch. But mostly it's just for communication between coworkers when um, sometimes it's quicker to eat, reach someone by Skype than it is through email. And the reason, uh, you know, they're replacing Skype for Business with Teams, so you'll be seeing that in a few months, I believe. Yeah, I think so. Okay, what about to-do applications to keep track of tasks? 
our job mandates that we use a task management system and we use planner and teams. Does anybody use anything like that for their positions? Well, iAccessibility uses to do, obviously, <laughs> as you well know, Michael, <laughs> which I find I actually like to do. Um, I do wish that it would push notify when tasks were completed, but I mean, other than that, I, I do like to do. I'm not really using a to-do app right now simply because everything that needs to be done has been put on a calendar for us, either in PDF form. We also have a spreadsheet which kind of indicates what we should be doing on what date. So it's a little different for us. When we first started working, we, were, we had uh, meetings with each department to discuss the types of things we could be working on from home, what needed to be done, uh, optional things we could be doing. And since then, it's been a lot of communicating a couple times a week as to the progress of what we're working on, what kind of webinars we're attending, and we either do that by phone call or by email, just to kind of keep everybody up to date on where we're at with things. So, you know, we use Teams, we use, um the planner in Teams, which is not the most accessible right now. It has some problems. Uh, I believe their web interface may be a little more usable, but um, this does have partial integration with Microsoft To-Dos, so if you have an, a task assigned to you in a due date, you will see that in Microsoft To-Dos, or Microsoft To-Do. I hope nobody is still using Wonderlist. <laughs> Because as of this month, it will be going away. I think that's of it as of this week, isn't it? Isn't that right? I think so. I think so. I think it's May sixth. So by the time this episode airs, yeah, I think it's I read probably like, going to be gone. I think I read May seventh. I just find it really interesting the reason why they're going away, and it's because they're working on Microsoft to do so. Like they will still be around, just in a different form, uh, but. If you missed that email, I would check whatever email that you have integrated with Wonderlist because it does give you instructions on how to migrate your data. Yeah, they've actually sent me um, multiple emails. So I don't have anything really on Wonderlist anymore. So it's fine for me. But, but yeah, those of you who still use Wonderlist, definitely you'll want to check that out. And I think they have a web page somewhere too talking about how to migrate over to. Um, Microsoft to do. Excellent. So um, do you guys find that you use, um, Rose, you talked about using calendars. Do you guys use calendar apps and integrate those with your meetings or what, what approach do you use uh, with those? I live by my calendar. You know, it's, uh, it's an integral part of my day. In fact, we even put in meetings where we just, you know, are blocking time for ourselves and that way we let people know at work that, hey, you know, from 9 to 11, you know, I'm not going to be available because I'm, you know, working on something else. So calendaring is a, is a big, big deal for me. So uh, I had a very unfortunate thing happen to me earlier this week. My phone decided that COVID-19 was too much for it, and it decided that it didn't want to turn on anymore. And... Uh, it's been very problematic because I generally live by my calendar. One of the reasons I got an Apple Watch was so I wouldn't miss notifications. 
especially including calendar notifications. And I have been without my calendar being as prevalent just because of the way, I mean, I, I can still access my calendar via the watch, of course, but I don't get as much functionality out of it. I can't put in notes, say, with contact information, um, relevant file data that I'm going to need to access for whatever meeting or project or whatever I'm working on. So it has really screwed me up. And I I didn't realize how integral my calendar was to how I did things until... I mean, I kind of set it up on purpose because I'm really flighty, so I used my calendar notifications to make sure that I did what I needed to do when I needed to do it. I would schedule... I would schedule block times to work on projects for, say, two hours and then get up and then work on hours and get up and then work on the first thing for two hours again so I wouldn't get too bored with it. But without those notifications, without those reminders going off, I'm forgetting to message uh, people and like see if they're ready to have contracts done or I'm just dropping a ball on all sorts of stuff and I've had to kind of figure out a different way to do that and that's kind of become structure my days instead of working my normal day hours i've actually structured my days in this that i'm going to do work stuff and then i kind of look at everything all at once and see okay what do i need to do where's my progress at at these things and what needs to be done and for whatever reason it works it feels a lot less organized but it's working out okay but i didn't realize how important my calendar was until I lost it. We have always used... Did you get your um, phone replaced, Charles? It's in the process of getting replaced. I got a new phone. I'm just waiting for it. Uh, oh, good. We have always used uh, Outlook Calendar at work to um, rem be reminded about upcoming meetings, uh, especially committee meetings that we don't have often. But I found that now that I don't have a set schedule, I'm used to teaching one hour to classes, six times a day, being able to log into my computer at work and look at my schedule and know who I have when. Um, now it's a little more random. I, you know, when we can teach classes by phone or by FaceTime or other video connect options, we are asked to do that. And so now I'm kind of having to put in my personal calendar, okay, I'm meeting with a student, you know, Monday, Wednesdays, and Fridays at 10 a.m. And that keeps me on track and not forget what I need to do. And that's something I haven't really used previously. I've, I've been pretty good about keeping up with stuff in my head, but now that my, my routine has changed quite a bit, I'm relying on that a little bit more. My situation is a little different in the sense that my portal, which allows me to see the events that I've got coming up on my schedule, um, my work gives me files that I can click on or links and these links actually import into the stock iOS calendar app. And I was hesitant to go that this route because I was like, all right, I have a Surface Go, you know, this is a PC device. What if I need to access my calendar on this device in future? I, I am primarily a Mac user, but you know, what if? And the interesting learn that I had with a previous job is that you can actually use 
Google calendars in the stock calendar app. You simply add the calendar and it treats it the way it would treat other calendars. And so I, I feel like even if you're not primarily Apple, um, there's still a use for the stock calendar app. Um, there is another calendar app I use as well. It's called Fantastical and it's because it integrates with the Apple Watch and I like how the information appears on the Apple Watch. I feel like I get more information uh, what I need to do, like what's next on my schedule is read to me in a better way than the stock calendar app. But the beauty of Fantastical is that I actually don't have to enter any data into Fantastical because it simply accesses all the data that I've imported into uh, the stock iOS calendar app or anything that I've added manually and it automatically imports it. That is a very good recommendation, Rose. And if you haven't used it for contact management, folks, uh, they also make an app called CardHop that is very, very powerful for iOS. It does a lot of the things that the built-in app for contacts does not do, including being able to move contacts between accounts. That's pretty powerful. So CardHop from the same makers of Fantastical. Very cool app. So, you know, my job, we don't really use calendars much. We use them for meetings and scheduling different things, but it's not something that we primarily focus on. But we use a lot more of the to-do and uh, um, goal-based tracking uh, systems like Planner and those kind of things. Let's talk about security. You know, that, that's kind of become a huge topic in this time. And, you know, Zoom came under fire about having uh, their stuff not be secure. So um, how do you secure uh, Zoom meetings or Teams meetings? You know, some advice is to make sure you have passwords and make sure that you have um, you use the waiting room in Zoom. Teams is still organization specific, but um, what are... Jeff, I want to start with you. What are the best security tips and techniques that you could give our listeners uh, to improve their work from home experience if they have to have meetings or if they're doing training with folks? Well, I think the first thing you want to do is to make sure that you structure your workday in a way that, you know, you have a spot where you work, whether that be in your bedroom or uh, another room that's your office or just a corner in your living room. Uh, have that space and and really go to that space for work and then when you're not working leave that space you know it it's sort of a a way of sort of treating your office sort of separate try to think about the ways that you are communicating with people in your meeting specifically uh, i always like to ask people to send things to me ahead of time that they're going to be reviewing like word documents or powerpoints or spreadsheets or websites things like that that's always a, a really good thing to do because you know you just don't know if you know you know what a person's situation is if they have slower bandwidth or whatever the case may be they can prepare a little early and then just being mindful of you know working online and what that really means from a audio and a visual perspective there's always a little bit of a delay so think of that we have a Kind of a funny little rule where you know when someone brings up a topic and they sort of conclude the topic then one of our managers will do this eight second rule which is okay 
you have eight seconds to provide additional feedback. And if not, we're moving on. So that's kind of a cool thing where, you know, it gives people time to unmute their mic or whatever they need to do to be able to get a point in. So those are just a few examples of things that we try to do. What about security? Do you do anything to secure your meetings to make sure, you know, uh, you know, Zoom bombing on Zoom and different things, or even just uh, background changes in Teams. Is there anything that you guys do towards that? Well, our our meetings are all pretty much only sent to those people that need to see them. So they're, you know, they're not posted on, uh, you know, a website or or in a wide distribution email list outside the company. Whether that's you know my work for my day job or in the work that I do with, you know, nonprofit organizations, we try to make sure that that the intended recipients are the only people that are getting that communication. And if we need to to communicate links and things like that to a wider distribution, even publicly, we won't post them on websites, but we'll ask people to subscribe to an email list to be able to get those links and passwords communicated to them. So yeah, security is always at the forefront of what we do and you always have to be mindful of it. Just be careful where you uh you know, post a link. That's for sure. Do you guys any of you guys have any other comments or tips? One thing that I would personally do is to use headphones whenever you can because while apps like Zoom and uh, Skype and Team. Well, I'm I'm not familiar as much with Teams, um, but you know, Hangouts, for instance, are designed to minimize feedback. Um, if a lot of people are on speakers, if sometimes though, as the app does try to cancel that out, it does make um, people talking harder to hear for everybody else that's involved. So, for instance, if I'm on speakers and Michael and Jeff and I are in a meeting, if if the app is trying to cancel my speakers out, it might make Michael hard to hear for Jeff. So I would suggest headphones because there are just going to be situations sometimes when you do need to mute your mic. You're aware that you need to mute your mic, but you may not necessarily be able to do it quickly. I found that true for me sometimes on Zoom uh, when using it with iOS because sometimes voiceover would just not be responsive for whatever reason. Um, so that's really what I would suggest. I've had to be more aware, especially uh, in the last few weeks with the weather being so nice and leaving my windows open that I am not broadcasting everything my computer says to anyone outside. And so even though it's just me here in the house, I tend to use headphones a lot when I'm working at my computer to just keep some of that down you know chances are anybody listening outside would probably not be able to hear it very well and my speech is up kind of fast so they probably wouldn't even be able to understand it but I do deal a lot with um, client confidentiality and so just being aware of that um, one thing that we do when we work with veterans over the phone or through video and we've been implementing FaceTime and Google Hangouts and Facebook Messenger just because it's something that the veterans may have 
easier access to at this time. We have to be very aware of identifying them with information that they are the only ones who can give us and making sure that they know who else might be in the room with us and that we are aware of who else might be with them. So we go through a list of questions and information at the beginning of every session and to find that information out and we have to document that um, you know is there someone in the room with them are they will they be listening or assisting um, how many team members might be on the call with me uh, from my end so and just making sure that they are aware of you know that it is voluntary and that it's something that's not going to be broadcast no you know if i say i'm the only one who's working with them then they know that it's not being broadcast to anybody else excellent all right folks any other topics we want to bring up before we go ahead and start wrapping this show up today there was something i wanted to bring up and forgive me if it's already been said but something leslie said got me thinking and that is that when I'm at work, my team meetings can get rather big, not super big, but I could have anywhere from 10 to say 50 people in one meeting and I never know quite who is around me. And I like being able to see um, when I use WebEx who is around so I know who I can and can't communicate with if I need to talk about something work-related. Interesting. I feel, like, I feel like that's an advantage that we don't often have as blind people when we're in an environment, when we're in a meeting that's rather big and somebody hasn't talked, we don't know that they're there. But in these types of environments, we do have that advantage and that's something that we can capitalize on if it's needed um, or even if it's just wanted. That's a very good point. And that brings up- I've had that experience- that Oh, sorry, Leslie. That's okay. Uh, one other thing that we often do in our phone conferences for meetings is when anyone gets on the call, they announce who they are. And then every time anyone speaks, they announce their name before they start speaking, just so everyone knows who's there and who's speaking. The other thing that I've liked about team meetings is the ability to put things in a chat, even when people are talking. Partially because I might be in an environment where I can't say what I want to say. Like one time I was eating, but I'm like, oh my gosh, I have a really important point. Nobody's bringing it up. Um, obviously, that's not the ideal moment, but that's just one example. But like sometimes I feel as a blind person that I don't always find a good way to enter the conversation. Or maybe the conversation has moved on, but I still want to make a point. And what has happened as a result of me utilizing the chat is somebody will either jump back to my point because they're like, man, that was really relevant. Thank you for that. Or even if they don't jump back to it within the audio portion of the meeting, somebody will say something in, in the chat. And that's the other thing that I wanted to point out too as well. Like oftentimes when we're at meetings, we don't always know how people are responding to our points because they're not going to always make noises like, mm, or wow. But we still get that information of, wow, that was a really good point, Rose. And that's a benefit as well. Charles, you were going to, you had a point. Well, I did have a point, but Rose just changed my point. Um, I think I've noticed similar things since I started. 
I started working from home in 2017. Before that, I'd had a couple of uh, regular jobs, office jobs. And what I noticed was getting with other people online more than in person. You, It's a pros and cons thing, right? There are a lot of times when communicating in person, you get more information. But as a blind person, obviously, we are missing a lot of that body language. And if you're with somebody who isn't as expressive and full, isn't moving around their environment, you can't get a sense of how they're moving or whatever, it can be hard to read them. You don't get that a lot on a more, you know, tech interface, right? Especially if you're chatting them, if you're, say, or messaging them on Twitter or whatever. A lot of my clients I actually work with through social media. I don't use a lot of the things like Zoom or Teams or WebEx. I use Skype and Telegram and WhatsApp and Twitter and Reddit and Facebook and occasionally texts if somebody is really, really having a problem. I don't mind giving out my number. It's on a lot of my advertisements so people can call me. Um, so I will use my you know, professional number for texting people sometimes. And it's a lot easier to get social connect with somebody professionally to really follow a conversation when they're limited to the same things that you're limited to. That being said, I do miss interacting with people sometimes in a face-to-face -face setup. I think you can be more expressive and even as a blind person, get more information from somebody in your physical environment, whether it's having lunch with a coworker or having a meeting with your boss, you do have the ability to get more information. You, a lot of it I think comes from where as in a chat setting, in an online chat setting rather, you can mediate that. You can, uh, in, in your own head, you can kind of mediate like, well, I wanna say this, but I wanna put it in this thing. So you have more time to, to do that. I think from a professional standpoint, that is really useful, and it also sometimes might cause problems when you're trying to work in, say, a 20-person meeting where you're giving a presentation because you're not sure how people are interacting. As a blind person, for example, you know if people are rustling more. You can hear if people are getting up and leaving the room and, and coming back, even if you're giving a presentation, and you, you don't get that online. People can just walk away. You have no idea. So I think there are pros and cons to this. I think it's an ever-changing ecosystem, and I think a lot of people are adapting in ways they never thought they would be adapting to. And I'm really interested to see how this is going to change the face of job marketing and how this is going to change the face of companies advertising for positions and in what ways are they going to switch around their employee infrastructure to take advantage of the fact that people now have a lot more tools to work from home than they did even two, three months ago? I want to chime in on that just to clarify something. I, the intent was not to say that we as blind people cannot get information about our coworkers and managers, bosses, whatever you want to call them, from our environment. My intent was to say that I personally have trouble reading people the more there are in a room. If it's a 10-person meeting, I'm going to be able to focus on those people a little more than if there were 30, 50, even 100 people 
in the same meeting. And that's where these tools, at least for me, come in handy. And I think others might feel the same. You know, y'all bring up very come in handy for a lot of people. Yeah. Yeah. Y'all bring up very good points. And Charles, I want to, I really want you, you, you said something that I think everybody can take from this podcast. And that's when we're using these tools, everybody, everybody's on the same playing field. It doesn't matter who you are. If there, if that tool is accessible and you could see who's in the, in the meeting and you can use the same tools, you know, they may be able to see you through a camera, but you can hear just as much through voice and and hear what's going on in their environment and know what's going on. And so we're on an equal playing field. I think that's a very good thing to take away from this. I would caution that a little. And there are some accessibility hurdles, obviously. every Every meeting app, every professional app I've heard of has some kind of accessibility bug or some kind of weird little hitch that you kind of have to figure out how to work through. I think that it does allow us to be on a much more level playing field. I don't know if I'd say even. A lot of people, for example, are still sending PDF documents, and I would say a lot more PDF documents, because it's a primary way of getting information across. It's a lot easier to send one a document over a team's uh, over a Teams chat than it is to type all the information up. So we're still running into a lot of accessibility issues. Sure, sure. But I definitely. think by and large, the technology that we have, and because people are being forced to use the technology that we have a lot more, has greatly leveled this playing field, and I hope has brought to light some of these accessibility uh, bugs and improvements that need to be made to managers who probably otherwise wouldn't have realized just how impactful these things are to us. Right. And and when you mentioned, you know, even playing field, I meant the social interaction aspect of things, not necessarily the document accessibility. Mm, gotcha, gotcha. Okay. Yeah. All yeah, right. I folks. think the social interaction part of things is a lot more even, yeah. Right. Definitely. All right, folks, we're going to go ahead and wrap the show up for this week. Next next week we're going to have a similar topic and that's how to have fun while uh, at home. So it's going to be a lot more uh, talking about how to relax, how to be stress-free in, in times, in these times. So I uh, hope you all will look forward to that. But as we typically do, new folks, I hope you guys can come up with something quick because I didn't mention this in the beginning. We always do our pick of the week where we oh, pick great. something. Put on the spot. <laughs> yep, on the spot where uh, you pick something <laughs> that you're interested in that have been pl- you've been playing with tech-related or book or movie or TV uh, that you want to talk about, kind of share a recommendation with the listeners. Um, mm. I, I have a few of those, so I can pick mm-hmm. from several. So um, to start I it, and also... just came up with one right now. And also, um, <laughs> after you give your pick, give your contact info where you want to be found online and all that good stuff. And so because he just came up with it, Jason, what's your pick of the week and where can people find you online? Oh, I knew that was going to happen. <laughs> um, <laughs> so based on the little testing that I have done with it, I think, honestly, my pick is going to be Discord. Um, it's not the most accessible app in the world. Yeah, me too. Right? I literally was like thinking this whole episode, like, what am I going to pick? What am I going to pick? What am I going to pick? <laughs> I'm proud and, um, of you. I've been trying to get people to use Discord for ages now, and now you're helping. 
<laughs> Spreading discord amongst the listener community. There we go. <laughs> um. Good job, Jason. <laughs> but yeah, um, so my pick is going to be discord. Um, like I said, it definitely has some accessibility issues in iOS. Um, they are, they do appear to be um, being worked on, however. Um, in fact, when you first set up Discord, it says, hey, we know you're using a screen reader. Do you mind if we collect some information to help uh, improve the experience for screen reader users? But the reason I'm picking it is because it definitely has some interesting options. I like that you can add bots to uh, Discord uh, channels, and I like that the um, that Discord allows for um, high-quality audio. Now, um, Michael, I believe at least for the iAccessibility server, you had to boost it in some fashion in order to get the high-quality audio feature. To 128 kbps, yes. Yeah. Um, but, you know, unlike TeamTalk, Discord does host the server for you. Um, and with so with Yes, with encryption. And so that does definitely give you some advantages. Um, surprisingly enough, if you think me picking Discord is a shocker, wait till you hear this. I used it and liked it mostly on my Pixelbook <laughs> with ChromeVox. Yeah, that's a shocker. <laughs> Is that my, the sign uh, of the apocalypse? I think so. Because <laughs> my opinion on my Chromebook has been very vocal. The short version is it could be so much more than it is, and it makes me sad. But, yeah. So that's that's my pick. And we still need to uh, test it with other we're... headphones. Uh, you know, we've tested it with the Ambios, which yeah, uh, very unstellar um, uh, quality. And which, newsflash, they are no longer being made, folks. Or at least they're not available at this time. Right. It, it does definitely seem like the Ambios are becoming harder to find on uh, places like Amazon and whatnot, which is, is kind of sad. And if you visit the product page, it does say that that the product is no longer available. What that really means, of course, remains to be seen. But, uh, yeah, sadness. And on that terribly sad note, thanks, Michael, <laughs> for reminding me of that. Um, people can find me producing content for iAccessibility. You can email me at jason at iAccessibility.net. You can search for me on Facebook. Just search for Jason Earls. And you can also follow me on Twitter at JDE, that's Juliet Delta Echo 91. All right. So it's Michael, time. Michael, if people oh, are having. Oh, sorry. Go ahead, Michael. Oh, go ahead, Jeff. Well, Michael, if people are still having trouble coming up with a pick, I have one. My pick this week is an app on iOS called One Timer. And I have been looking for an app like this for a very, very long time. And it's finally out. And it's pretty inexpensive, too. Think of a countdown timer, which is very, very flexible in the things that it announces. You can basically, basically get it to announce however often or inoften that you want. You can chain them together. It's a very complex little app, but you can really do some great stuff. So the reason I wanted this app was for exercise. So if I'm working out for an hour, say I'm running on a treadmill, I want to be told, say, every 10 minutes, you know, when time passes, and then at 
30 minutes, I want to be notified every five minutes. And then perhaps at 10 minutes left, I'd like to be notified every two minutes. And then you, you know, so you, as you can see, you can change these announcements wow. how often you want. It's great. So then, you know, and then when it get, when I get down to three minutes, I like to know every minute. And then at 30 seconds, I like to know every 10 seconds, you know, 20 seconds remaining, that kind of thing. So it's absolutely fantastic. There's a one-timer light app that you can get. It has advertisements in it and you can't do chaining. So if you don't care about those things, then get that. That's free. And then you can get one timer, which by the way, it's 100% accessible and, you know, spend the two or three bucks and just get it. It's, it's one other question. Fantastic. Does it have an Apple watch version? Yeah. So after, you no, know, I don't, I, I don't think it does either way after this show, I'm either going way, to download that. It, uh, <laughs> yeah, it's, it's fantastic. It's, uh, I love it so much. It's, I would, but it's on I my don't have front a home screen. Oh, <laughs> don't worry, you will though. Are you going to get the SC two? By the way, I am indeed. Oh, very good. So you'll have to come and tell us all about that. Yeah, we'd love to hear about that. Ways okay. of getting a hold we'll do, of me. We'll do a phone review. Yes, that would be awesome. Ways to get a hold of me. You can email me at iaccessibility at jeff bishop at iaccessibility net. You can follow me on Twitter at Jeff Bishop, and I'll get to you there too. So, yeah, this was a fun show. So my pick for the week is another social media app. Um, it is Telegram. And the reason I like Telegram is because I wanted an app that was cross-platform, I like WhatsApp, but WhatsApp is really only truly functional on the phone. There is a desktop version, uh, but that's chat only, not voice, and you have to jump through some hoops to set it up. Yes, iMessage is a thing, but I like to separate my chats. I like essential information and brief chats where somebody needs to get a hold of me for a priority reasons to be conducted on iMessage. I like my recreational chats to be on Telegram because that way I don't miss essential messages. I have missed essential messages because I haven't separated the two types of chats in the past. Um, there is a Telegram app for Windows. It's called Unigram. It's accessible. It's a lot like MSN Messenger. Um, the app does have a couple of accessibility quirks on the iPhone and iPad, but it's still uh, pretty good. And yeah, I think it does blend a good balance of voice and text. And it also does allow, allow for group chatting as well, like WhatsApp. So I feel like you'll be able to access your friends more of the time in more places. Uh, with that being said, uh, you can contact me by email. My email is nothingbutlime at gmail.com. And I can also be found on the iAccessibility WhatsApp and Telegram groups and on the iAccessibility Slack channel. You know what's interesting about Telegram is the fact that it sounds a lot different in iOS versus I haven't used any of the Windows apps, but at least in Android, it sounds very different than it does in iOS. Well, it's funny you say that because uh, I was going to talk about Unigram specifically. Um, and no, we didn't coordinate that, I swear. Uh <laughs>
that's amusing. So I actually didn't know about Telegram until a few weeks ago, and I was immediately directed to Unigram because my primary computer right now is an HP desktop. So I got Unigram, and it does have that really uh, old MSN feel in terms of the way the conversations are laid out. And what I really like about it, especially in this latest update, is the tabs are actually presented in their own list. It doesn't feel like you uh, have to sort of... You do have to go to a different area, but you only have to shift tab. If you're in your conversations list, you only have to shift tab once, and you get your tabs. And you have your chats tab, and your groups tab, and your contacts tab, and your, you know, whatever. The main menu button where you go to access, say, other parts of the app, if you want to contact them or you want to look at your settings, stuff like that, you just hit the button. It drops you into another menu. Um, it is all very, very accessible on Unigram. I actually prefer using Unigram over Telegram on the phone. Telegram on iOS has some weird, very weird voiceover focusing issues that as somebody who tends to explore the screen, I don't run into as much as people who uh, move element by element, but even that can be kind of iffy. Unigram lets me do everything I should be able to do on Telegram in a mostly accessible way. There have only been a couple of things that I've had problems with, and a lot of that is just unlabeled buttons, honestly. There's There are a couple of weird bugs with playing voice messages, but it doesn't seem to be just with Unigram. It seems to be Telegram as a whole. So that is not so much a Unigram issue. Um, but by and large, I've actually been really enjoying my experience playing with it the last couple of weeks. I found I really enjoyed the iPad Telegram app. I really like that split screen layout that it has. Yeah, I'm so jealous. I don't um, have an iPad. iPad. I was hearing about that. It's, it's, it is nice. It still has the same weird iOS accessibility issues, but I found that I accidentally leave groups a lot less often on my <laughs> iPad <laughs> because <laughs> it's just like, it's the weird dialogue and the way it works because I tend to delete yeah. um, messages in groups because in iOS you can't uh, tell where your unmed, your, I can speak, I promise. Um, in iOS, you can't tell where your unread messages start. I mean, you can visually, I think, but VoiceOver doesn't give you any indication. Um, and so I will delete messages when I've listened to them just so that I know that any messages I see are new. Um, hey, guess what? And... Unigram tells you. Hey, guess what? What? I would actually have to, like, use my PC. <laughs> um... Good job. <laughs> oh, no. <laughs> It might no, um, <laughs> right. Actually, it might. It's not the fastest PC in the world. Um, um, Charles, do you want to give any but... contact information? Oh, I'm sorry. I did forget. You can contact me by mail at charles.heiser1993 at gmail.com. Uh, you can find me on Facebook with uh, Charles Heiser. You can follow me on Twitter at Tristar, T-R-I-S-T-A-R-1693. And if you really want to kind of torture yourself just a little bit, you could also find me on Skype at live colon Tristar1693. You know, that's funny. You said you can you can 
ma- mail me and I'm like, wait, are you really about to give your address? No. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So, Only if you send good food. <laughs> right, there you go. So, Leslie, what about you? What's your pick for the week and where can people find you? All right. I agonized over this a little bit since about halfway through the show when I remembered, oh my gosh, I got to pick something. Um, But I think for this week, I'm going to go with Zoom because um, not only has it been a very useful tool to me in um, recording the Hands-On Safety podcast, I've also been using it a lot lately for work-related stuff such as um, getting continuing education hours through webinars, whether I've been accessing that by my phone app or through um, my PC. Both of them have worked really well. Um, I have also been attending uh, Bible study meetings with my Bible study group from uh, where I used to live, which has been the first time in two years that I've I've been able to uh, connect with those ladies and other than through WhatsApp, where we continually talk. But um, it's been really nice to be back involved with that group now that they are conducting their Bible studies on Zoom. So I'm pretty happy with it. Um, it's been fairly accessible. A little bit of learning, especially for the, the PC version. Um, took a little getting used to, but I'm really enjoying it and not having any, really any problems with it. So um, as far as how to contact me, you can find me producing content for iAccessibility. You can email me at Leslie at iAccessibility.net. You can find me on Twitter at Lady underscore Lessa. That's L-E-S-S-A. And um, get in touch with me. Follow me. Let me know. All right. My pick for this week is going to be another game because I've been on a game playing streak lately. I have always been a fan of the Fantasy Star series from Sega ever since... Fantasy Star Online, when one of our contributors or our, our team members was one year old, which is crazy. Um, <laughs> which is just crazy to think about. But um, this is the Fantasy Star Online 2, uh, which is out for Xbox. Really cool game. Terrible, terrible voice acting, but most translated uh, anime based games are. And just neat special effects and uh, cool role-playing game just a very cool sequel to the original game and um really awesome uh graphics and stuff so um if you're low vision you like rpgs this one is a good one to uh, check out it is free to play which is really cool so uh, fantasy star online 2 i think it's going to be coming to the pc as well pretty soon as for people can find me you can find me producing content uh, for iAccessibility. You can email me at Mike Doeys. That's M-I-K-E-D as in David, O-I-S-E, at iAccessibility.net. I'm Mike Doeys on Twitter. You could find me on Facebook by searching for Michael Doeys. You could also go to my website at michaeldoeys.com, and I'm all over the web. Just do, do a search for me. Not hard to find. So, yeah, just check out my stuff and... Uh, you know, continuously look up by accessibility. We have all kinds of cool projects going on, possibly some new events coming up and great, great fun on our next episode of the podcast. 
I have to say that this has been a very informative podcast. I'm going to go download Jeff's app after we get done here. Um, and I, just very awesome show. And I want to thank all of you guys for being here. This has really been fantastic. In Rose's case, fantastical. Uh, but <laughs> <laughs> I'm going to download that after the show. It's a very good app. The only thing, my only complaint about that app is you have to download it and pay for it on each platform. So you have to pay for it on iPhone mm -hmm. and iPad. Gotcha. So, but it's worth buying on every platform. I still want to get it for Mac, uh, but that's expensive. So, uh, really great episode. I uh, on, don't forget about Card Hop. That one's awesome too for managing yep. contacts. I'll check that one out as well. Um, but I'm very thankful for all of you guys who've been here, everybody on the stream, everybody, um, for taking part in this. I, I think this has been one of our best episodes in a while. So thank you guys so much for making this such a great episode and very informative. And we will see all of you next week on our next episode of the IA cast. So thanks everybody. And we'll see you next time. Bye guys. Bye everyone. Bye bye. This show has been brought to you by the IACast Network. We love hearing from you. Email us at feedback at iaccessibility.net. Got Twitter? Follow us at iaccessibility1. Facebook? Search for iaccessibility. Download our free apps for iOS and Android and keep up with all of our content at iaccessibility.net. If you'd like to donate to our show, hit the PayPal button on our website and get early access to our outtakes with a donation at patreon.com slash iacast. Thanks for listening. Copyright 2020, iAccessibility, LLC.